Pastor Varun and Pastor Dala Hopperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church, Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's dynamic teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. I learned one thing about walking with God and serving God. If you worry about your own problem, you're going to stay worried forever and nothing going to improve. But if you begin to serve God and care about the business of the Father, you begin to point the arrow out of yourself and look at what God wants you to do. Instead of looking at yourself, what happened? God takes care of your business. God will take care of your need because you take care of his business. A lot of time we worry about ourselves, me, me, me. Myself, I worry about me and myself. That is selfishness, self-centeredness. But if we start to think about God, what can I do for God? What can I do to fulfill the great commission? And you're going to see the things start to fall into places. God will begin to minister to you, provide it for you, and do a lot of great things for you. We need to point the arrow out of us instead of thinking about me and myself and we and I and all the time. We need to think about the Lord. Amen. Think about those people. I heard the testimony of the mother of Pastor Joe Austin. She told us that many years ago, I don't remember what day, what year, she was still pastoring the church with her husband, John Austin. And suddenly she was diagnosed as having liver cancer. The doctor gave her about three to six months to leave. And it's true. People with liver cancer cannot live more than six months. Instead of feel pity on herself and start to think about me, she began to go out and minister to people on Sunday. She prayed for the sick. She began to show love to people. And what happened? Why she was standing in faith and she was ministering, blessing others. God healed her. And she's still alive today. Whenever I saw her, it reminded me of a Christian who lived her life or his life for God. And God takes care of her or his problem. Amen. So it's a very powerful testimony. Amen. Hallelujah. So how many people say that I will point the arrow out of myself to the kingdom of God and do the work of God? Raise your hand up. Amen. Amen. Stop being self-pity. Amen. Self-pity is of hell. But we think about the kingdom. We always think about Jesus and focus on Jesus. Speak about God. Speak about the good things of God. And you're going to see the blessing come into your life. Because you reap what you sow. If you sow the gospel, you sow the love, the faith, the joy, you sow the good things, you're going to reap those things. Amen? Hallelujah. Everyone say, I reap what I sow. Amen. Amen. How many people enjoy the teaching this morning? Amen. I really recommend you listen again and again. Interestingly, when I read my sermon, every time I read again, something goes deeper inside me. God would speak even to myself through the sermon to the paper. When I read something, God showed me deeper and deeper. So the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing, and hearing, and hearing of the Word of God. So the more you speak the Word, the more you hear the Word into your ear, the more faith you're going to have. And faith is the most valuable thing in the world. If you have faith, I tell you, 
you overcome the world. Amen. Troubles are in this world, but you overcome the world by faith. Therefore, faith is so important. And when I preach to you, I want you to have faith. I don't want you to just have a decoration idea to the theology to decorate your brain, your mind. That I know a lot of the Bible. Some people know a lot of Bible, but they have no faith because they don't take that faith one foot below here to here. You need to take the Word of God from here down to your heart and receive it and meditate on it and believe it and walk in it and practice it every single day. If you don't practice the Word of God, you will never experience the power of the Word of God. So whatever I preach, please practice. Please go out and do it. Amen. This morning we were talking about Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. The Bible talk about God called Abraham to take his son Isaac to the land of Moriah and to go to a mountain in that land in order to offer Isaac as a burnt offering. I will read the scripture to review a little bit and continue. The sermon from this morning in Genesis chapter 22, I read from 9 to 14. Then they came to the place of which God has told him, mean Abraham, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bowed Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Abraham. Did what he believed in his heart. He obeyed the Lord in action. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, "Abraham, Abraham." So he said, "Here I am." And he said, "Do not lay your hand on the lad, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me." Verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there, behind him. Was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, "The Lord will provide." And it is said to this day, "In the mouth of the Lord it shall be provided." In King James version. The Bible says, "In the mouth of the Lord it shall be seen." The word Jehovah Jireh is a composite word, come from the word Jehorah, the self-existing one, and Jireh, or American people call Jireh. I still don't understand how you say Jireh, J-I-R-E-H. But the Hebrew language called Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. Jireh means see. You see. God, the self-existing one, see ahead of time. In English word, we use the word provision. God's provision. He is a provider. Pro means before. Ahead of time. Vision means see. So the same meaning. Jireh, see ahead of time. How God provide for us, because He is the God who see everything ahead of time. I believe that while Abraham was walking up to that mountain, his natural mind 
would feel a little bit uneasy because he thought that I need to kill my son on the altar. But at the same time, he made up his mind to have faith that God shall provide, that everything will go well. Amen. And he believed that God would do something to be able to resurrect his son, or will provide for him something that he and his son will come back to home. He obeyed the Lord. He knew that he heard the voice of God, and he was doing the will of the Lord. And he had confidence that the Lord is Jehovah Jireh, a God who foresee the future. God knew that Abraham was going to stand up on that mountain. He knew what's going to happen in the future. He know what's coming up in your life next week, next month, next year. He knows everything. He knows from the beginning to the end of your life. He even know what happened to you tomorrow before the creation of the world. He foresee everything. He knows what you're going to face next week, next year, ten years from now. He's a God who foresees. Or he sees ahead of time. Therefore, because God knows that Abraham is going to get up to that mountain even before the creation of the world, he made that ram to walk up on the mountain at the same time. He put the impulse on that ram, and the ram did not know anything. God just put the impulse in, in it and just walked up to the mountain. And God made that ram feel like, I need to play with that bush. That bush looked nice. So the ram just go and Play with that bush, and suddenly the horn got stuck in the bush, right there where Abraham gonna show up to put Isaac on the altar. Exactly the same place at the right timing. God had known ahead of time that Abraham gonna stand there to put Isaac on the altar. Therefore, he put the ram at the right place at the right time, and not only that, the ram got stuck there. For him, is it amazing? God prepared. God provided for him. And when Abraham looked up and saw the ram, he knew right away that God had provided for him. I want you to understand that God is not the type of person that he will be surprised when you say to God, "God, I believe you're going to be surprised. I need a thousand dollars to pay my bill right now." You think God will be surprised? No. God knew ahead of time that you're going to need that $1,000 to pay your bill ahead of time. That's why He is the provider. Amen. He knew everything in your life. He knew the future. He foresee everything. God is not surprised at all what is happening to you about your bill, your debt, your mistake that you make in the past. But you say, God, I make a mistake. I mess myself up financially, and even though you mess yourself up financially, but I want to encourage you. Our God is a God of the second chance. How many people have messed yourself up with your finances? Raise your hand up. How many people make wrong decision about finances in your life? Raise your hand up. Okay. I want to encourage you today that it doesn't matter how many times you mess up in the past. God is able. And God will be able to, and God is happy to help you. His mercy is unending. Amen. He can help you. He can come and recover you 
and restore you from all those debts and all those mistakes. You see the story in the Bible all the time. When people make mistakes and they repent, God forgive and God give them the second chance. How many people remember Peter? Peter denied Jesus three times. And after that, he felt bad. He repented. And how many people know that Jesus asked about Peter after he was resurrected from the dead? The first person he asked about, where is Peter? And Peter was the one who preached with the file of God on the day of Pentecost with more than 3,000 people got saved. He made a mistake, but God still used him. God is so merciful. Everyone say, God is a merciful God. You might have made a lot of mistakes, and that's why Jesus has to come. If you never make mistakes, Jesus did not have to come. Is that right? Because we have made mistakes. I have made mistakes in my life. I have made mistakes in many ways. In my marriage life, in my finances, in my pastoral work. I make a lot of mistakes. That's why I need Jesus so badly. I need the merciful God who will forgive me and help me, get me up from falling down and walk again and go out and do the right thing again. Amen. I need Jesus to help me. Amen. So as Christians, we have hope. I want to encourage all of you, if you have messed up financially, the thing that you do, you need to go on the floor, make your face on the ground and repent and ask God for forgiveness. You may say to God like this. You may say, God, I believe that I heard your voice, but actually it was a mistake. I make a wrong decision to buy that stuff that you tried to warn me many times that I should not have bought. I make a decision to sign the contract for eight months' debt to pay bill, eight months for that nice, beautiful car. But actually, I could not afford it, but I signed the contract to buy that car. And you feel bad about it, but you say, God, I repent, and could you please save me this time from this financial mistake? You understand one thing about God. A lot of Christians don't understand that if they pressure God long enough, if they pray and pressure God long enough. For example, you say, God, I need a second job on Sunday so that I don't need to go to work and I can make money. When you pray first time, the Holy Spirit convicts you. No. Son, you go to church. You don't go and make money on Sunday. You should go to church. You say, God, but I need to pay my bill. I need to get second job. If you keep pressuring God, eventually God is going to say, okay, do whatever you want. That is the type of God we worship. If you pressure God long enough, He will let you do it and you pay the price later on. And you're going to cry later on. You remember the story of the Israelites? When the Israelites moved into the land of Canaan, at the beginning, God gave them the judges because God was their king, but they keep pressuring God. Pressing. Pressure, pressure, pressure. God, we need a king. Those Canaanite people have the king with a nice cloth, with a nice horse and nice army. We need a king as well. And God said, no, I'm your king. You don't need a king. And they keep pressuring. Eventually, they gave them a king named Saul. And they got into trouble. Because King Saul was not a good king. The whole nation got into trouble. Amen. Therefore, don't pressure God. If God doesn't want you to get something, just back off and don't put pressure on God. Amen. Because to push God is not a good idea. You should pray like this. God, whatever your will, be done. 
If you want me to do that, I do it. If you say no, I back off. If you want me to own that property, and you say to me, I can own it, I do it, I buy it, and you're gonna provide for me. But if God say no, don't do it, don't do it. I told you many years ago, our church has a chance to buy a nice building on northeast e a t of Bellevue. Oh, I was like the Israelite. I tried to pressure God. God, I need that building. It's six million dollars with also a few condos. But thank God for the elders of the church. Thank God for my wife. They all tried to stop me. Say, Pastor Lau, I don't think it's a good idea. You're gonna get into big debt. You're gonna have to force people to pay twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month for the mortgage. And I say, Yes, I want that building so the church will be big, so the people will come. And people say, No, 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 no. Slow down, slow down. Don't put pressure on God. But eventually, thank God for the elders of the church. Thank God for my wife. They all banded me. They say. No, we're not going to buy that, Pastor. Cool down. And I did listen. I did listen to them. And now I look back. I thank God. You know why I thank God? I have learned the lesson of being a pastor. That the only person in the world, by the grace of God, who will stay with me until I die, and help me to pay bill, is my wife. I learned the lesson that no matter how much you love me, you like this pastor today. You can change your mind one day, and you leave the church. Maybe you come in as a millionaire. Oh, Pastor Lau, buy that building. I help you to pay every month twenty thousand dollars a month. I help you. Three months later, where are you? They're gone because they're not marrying me. I marry Pastor Da, so I learned the lesson that I should listen to God and should not listen to human because they can leave the church, and I'm going to be in trouble myself. So I learned the lesson that I need to listen to God and walk by faith. Circumstances may not change overnight, but you stand by faith. When you depend on the mercy of God, remember this: circumstances may not change overnight, but stick to your faith, stand to your faith, and confess with your mouth: My God is my provider. He will provide. He will come through for me. I'm not gonna give up. Amen. He foresees what's gonna happen to me. He is a merciful God, even though I make mistake, but He can restore me. The devil will lie to you. Oh, poor people! You make mistake, you're gonna be poor forever. You're gonna be in debt forever. You will never rise up again. You're gonna be there at the bottom of the barrel forever. But don't listen to the devil, because in our God we have hope, because we have the merciful God, we have the God who is our provider. Amen. If you repent and you confess your sin and get right with God now, God can help you. God knows where to get money. Do you know that God knows where to get money? Do you know that God can get money without a phone call? God knows every. Detail. He knows the address. He knows how to send people to talk to you. How to give you a job. God knows everything. He foresee and he knows everything. So he can give money to you in any way. You need to understand that the provision of God can be supernatural, like the disciple get the coin out of the mouth of the fish. God can do anything to feed you, to provide for you, because he is Jehovah Jireh. He precedes. He prepares and he provides. Everyone say, God precedes. God precedes. 
It means he foresee, he go before me. He prepares, he and he provides. And he If you read the Bible, you will see many times the Bible talk about prepare or preparation. The word preparation or prepare is related to the provision of God because God foresee the future. For example, if you walk on the road, eventually you're gonna come to the intersection. Is that right? He knows that at certain intersection you're gonna get thirsty. You need a water. He foresee that that in that intersection you will be thirsty. He's gonna get somebody stand there with a glass of water, cold, maybe jumbo juice, and then stand there and you walk by. You at the intersection. God. Give to you. He prepare ahead of time for you at the right intersection for you where you need the water. The word prepare in the Hebrew language means to arrange, to put in order, to make it ready for beforehand, to work out the details in advance, to put into motion, to get the job done beforehand, to get ready for you. You understand? Again, let me repeat again one more time. To prepare means to work out the details in advance, to make it ready beforehand, and to put in order. So you need to understand what kind of God we worship and serve. We worship the God who is not leaving anything to chance. Nothing happened by chance. God foresee and He prepares and He provides. Amen. God is not a person who is being called off God to surprise by circumstances. He's not walking around. Oh, really? This happened? No. He know everything, and he prepare ahead of time what he's gonna deal with. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 23, verse 5, "You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over." Everyone say, God prepares. God prepares. You notice that God prepares the table before you, in the presence of your enemy. What does it mean? This sentence. It means God prepares on earth here. There is no enemy in heaven. God doesn't have to prepare a table for you in heaven. He prepares something else. But on earth, He prepares a table of the wisdom, the finances, the food, the all the necessary thing in your life. In the presence of your enemy, mean on earth here, and he prepare before you. What does it mean? So that you can see, he's not hiding the table. He makes sure you see the table. Amen. And not only that, he pour the water into your cup. If all of us is, is a cup, he pour the water onto the cup until the cup runs over. Wow, it's interesting. When I read that, I was thinking as a neurosurgeon, does God know? How many cc that cup will contain? Do you think God knows that the the cup contain 100 cc? Does God know that the water almost come up to the brim of the cup? Does God know that it's so wasteful that the water run out of the cup and run to the table and on the floor and run out into the outside the door? Is it wasteful? Is it wasteful that the water come out and run to the table and disappear and vaporize? It's so wasteful that the God pour something and run over and just waste into the ground, into the floor, and you cannot even lick that water on the floor to drink. 
it's gone, it's wasteful. But you know, God spoke to me. The reason God want to give you to the point that the cup runs over, because two things. Number one, He enjoys giving. He enjoys pouring. Tonight, when He pour out the Holy Spirit on you, you need to understand it. Cups run over. A lot, a lot, a lot. The cup's gonna run over tonight. Amen. It's not a little bit, but a lot. Amen. He loves to give. And the second thing, sometimes I have this thought: Wow, would it be nice if I have a couple billion dollars? Sometimes I think this way: If I have a couple billion dollars, if anyone want to go to school in this church, I send them four years, pay everything off, pay. Four years, school. I think the church will grow fast. Huh? A lot of people come to this church. If somebody in the church poor and want to put down payment for their house, okay, how much? Oh, down payment, 50,000? Okay, down, write a check. With <laughs> two billion, is nothing, $50,000. That's what God showed me. God showed me that if you have as much as God have, to have the cup run over, to spill on the floor is nothing. That is the kind of God we serve. He has so much. To just spill out a little bit, what a big deal. Not a big deal. Is that right? <laughs> God is so rich. Oh man. He, he gave, he gave, give a lot. And to spill over out of the cup because for him it's nothing. For you maybe a lot, but for him it's nothing. I believe that if some of you were God, you would think this way. I think two to three kinds of fish is enough. If some of you were God, you would think this way. Two or three colors on earth are enough. But God created all kinds of fish, all kinds of color, all kinds of flower. Oh, all kinds of animals. Amen. Do you know that tons of banana fall off the banana tree in the jungle every year and waste away? More than banana in the jungle. More than what all the monkeys can eat them all. God is a God of generosity. God is a God of more than enough. You need to know your God. What kind of God you worship. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is a God of more than enough. We're going to talk about this a lot in this camp to build your faith that you know who God is. You know the Jehovah Jireh, the God of more than enough, the cup run over. Amen. God prepares. Everyone say, God prepares. Before me. Amen. Look at Psalm 65 verse 9. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The rivers of God is full of water. Oh, I like that. You provide that grain for so you have prepared it. God has prepared everything for you. Because He is the provider. Psalm 68 verse 10. Your congregation dwelt in it. You, O God, provided from your goodness for the poor. Out of the goodness of God, He wanted to provide for the poor. How many people feel that you are the poor in this room? Raise your hand up. Okay. 
God say, "My goodness, going to prepare for you. You will not be hungry." Amen. God going to take care of you. Psalm 132, verse 15. I will abundantly bless her provision. Her mean the city or the church. I will satisfy her poor with bread. God is our provider. He sees. He prepares beforehand, and He provides. Why Abraham was walking on up to the mountain, the ram was also walking up there at the same time. Let me ask this question: Do you think Abraham knew that the ram was walking up at the same time? No. So this is how God worked. Why you are serving God? Why you doing the will of God? You doing what God called you to do? You don't see everything, but God behind the scene preparing something for you that you don't see. And so you just go on and on and on. Suddenly you come to the intersection. Ah, oh, it's here. God prepare for you at the intersection for you. But the key is this: you need to be willing and obedient. You need to be willing to say yes to God. Don't walk in rebellion. Don't walk in disobedience. Because the Bible says in Isaiah chapter one verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you live in rebellion, God tell you to do something. I say no. So what? God tell you to do something. You say I don't need to obey God. I'm gonna do whatever I want. I want to tell you one truth. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. God is not obligated to support that which is not of His plan. Listen carefully. A lot of people like to twist the arm of God. God. You my God! You need to do this for me. No, God is not obligated to do that which is not in His plan. So the key of walking in abundance is to exactly smack in the central will of God. Do what He say and be obedient to Him and be willing to do whatever He say, and you shall eat the good of the land. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to give you the analogy. When you drive a car on the road, for example, you drive from Seattle to Stanwood, you will pass Linwood, you pass Everett, you pass Marysville, and you come to Smoky Point and Stanwood area. You pass certain towns, certain fields, certain place to get to the destination. But if you get into the wrong road, for example, instead of coming to here by I-5, you go on I-90. You're gonna to go to somewhere else, and you pass different cities and different towns and different fields. This is the key of walking in abundance. You need to find exactly what road God wants you to drive on. Smack in the road God called you to drive to go on. I know exactly what God called me to do. I know exactly God want me to be the pastor of this church. I know exactly that I'm the one who's gonna. Teach the word of God. I'm the teacher. I know exactly that I need to bring the file of God to the nations. I know what I'm doing. I'm driving my car on the right road to the right destination, and in that driving, I will pass the field of healing. I will pass the town of peace, and I'll pass the city of prosperity and abundance. But if I go on to the wrong road, I will pass the town of sickness, the city of chaos, and the field of heartache. 
How many people want to drive your car on the right road? I want to be in the right road. How do you do that? Be willing and obedient to the voice of God. Amen. At the end of this sermon, I want to tell you the better news than what I say. In the past 15 minutes, yes, God prepared everything for you on earth. Is it okay that we are worried about how to pay bill? Is it okay to be concerned and worry? Look at what the Bible says, John 14:1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Worry and anxiety. Is not the will of God. You need to learn how to relax, to rest, and trust God, and listen instead of spending time and energy worrying. Why don't you spend time in prayer and listening to the voice of God? God may tell you to do something, to meet somebody, to make a phone call, maybe to get into some connection that you can find a new job, and you can pay your bill, pay off your debt. Instead of worrying, you should spend time listening to God and serving the Lord, and don't worry about it. Amen. A lot of people say, "Yes, but I'm human. I need to worry. I have a bad day. I have a bad day." Oh yeah, yes, you have a bad day. You just prophesize to yourself. You have a bad day. Then you get a bad day. The life and death is in your tongue. If you keep saying, "I'm dead." I'm poor. I'm broke. I'm sick. Bad day. Bad year. Bad. Definitely, you're gonna be bad because you're prophesizing to yourself. No, please. That is the way of hell. You need to trust God. Stop worrying about it and say, oh, "Have a good day." I will be provided. God prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You speak positive. Don't speak negative. Don't curse yourself. Don't prophesize negative thing to yourself, and you get it. Amen. If you keep saying that, you open the door for the devil to come in to destroy your life because you keep agreeing with the devil. If you say I'm sick, the devil like it. Oh yeah, you're sick. Okay, I give you some sickness. But if you say I'm healthy, I'm strong. Amen. You need to agree with the Holy Spirit, not with the spirit of the devil. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't curse yourself. You need to say, God, I trust you. You are my provider, Jehovah Jireh. You foresee everything in my life. You prepare everything for me. I will not lack. You are my shepherd. You are my merciful provider. You shall take care of me. I'm not going to live in sickness. I'm not going to be poor. I'm not going to be broke. I will be the blessing to the nations. You need to speak like that. You need to confess like that. Amen. Because worry is. In vain, worry is unnecessary, and worry is a waste of energy. Look at what the Bible say. God wants to show something that God's preparation start on earth here, and you need to trust God that this is the kind of God that you worship. Look at verse two in John chapter fourteen. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare. Everyone say prepare. prepare. You see, God prepare a place for you. Do you know that heaven is as real as San Francisco? Do you know that heaven is as real as Anchorage, Alaska? But the truth is, it's more beautiful than Anchorage. Heaven is more beautiful than San Francisco. Amen. 
much nicer. And this is what happened. When you show up in heaven, it will not happen this way. When you show up in heaven, you knock the door of heaven. The angel opened the door. Oh, welcome. What is your name? My name is John. Okay, let me check your book of life. Oh, okay, okay. You are in the book of life, John. Okay, but... But by the way, I'm sorry. Your place is not ready yet. It's still under construction. You need to, you need to stay with Tom and Brenda for a couple months. The place is not ready. Have you ever gone to the hotel that they would say the check-in at 3 and you got to the hotel at 12 and you say, I'm sorry, the room is not ready yet. That's not going to happen in heaven. When you get to heaven, when the angel opens the door of heaven, come in, John. Your mansion is ready for you. This is your address. God prepared the mansion for you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is always prepared and God is always ready. I like the word prepare and I get teased in the operating room all the time. When I perform surgery, I would say, prepare the operating microscope and all the nurses laugh at me. I don't know why. Because it's a wrong English, the way I say it. Prepare microscope. But that's what it means. Get ready. The microscope, get ready. Okay. Be ready for the surgeon to use, okay? <laughs> prepare the drain. And they say, what? Prepare the drain. That's what I mean. Get ready. Okay. Verse 4. John chapter 14, verse 4. And if I go, this is a true story. I always say, prepare the drain, prepare the microscope. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is coming back to get us to our palace, our estate. Amen. God prepared a place for us in heaven. Going to be ready. There was a gynecologist who fell off the balcony and hit on the cement and died. When he arrived at the hospital, he was dead. But God resurrected him back. And he gave the testimony that when he got up to heaven, he met Jesus. And then Jesus took him to a valley and showed him, that is your mansion. And when he looked at it, he kind of walked in to see his mansion. He said, wow, this is exactly what I like. Custom built for me. He saw all the animals, all the flowers that look like in the earth, but much more beautiful and more kinds of flowers and animals on earth here. And he gave testimony that the mansion that he has in heaven is custom built for him. How many people bought the house before? How many people feel this way? When you walk into that house, you want to buy? Oh, this is it. This is the one I like. Each one of us have different tastes, different kind of house you like, maybe the stair over there, maybe three bedroom, maybe one level, or maybe you like this style of kitchen. You all have different idea about your house, your dream home. Is that right? I know what Pastor Da like, her dream home, but I cannot afford it. Because her dream home is in the waterfront. <laughs> okay. 
We all have dream home, and I want to tell you in the Greek language, the word place in John chapter 14, verse 3, can translate as residence, a place of staying, permanent habitation, chateau, or estate. Conveys the idea of many, many rooms. Are you glad that when you get to heaven, God prepares for you a big mansion because you serve the Lord? He custom made, custom built it for you. You're going to get what you like up there. You don't need to worry about any real estate agent looking a house for you. You don't need to hire a real estate agent. You get up there, you see your mansion, you see your estate. Yes! This is it. Amen. So, this is the God we worship. What the Bible says in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, that I just read to a while ago, is the end of the story. The end of the story of preparation, the mansion in heaven for you. On earth, He's still doing it. He still foresees what you need. He prepares. He provides. You just have to ride your car in the right road, willing and obedient to obey and follow His way. You're going to come to the intersection, to the field, to the city of God's provision. God prepared all those things for you. That is a type of God that we worship. Are you glad that our God is the provider? Amen. Everyone say, my God is a merciful provider. He foresees. He prepares. He makes things ready for me. He works things out for me. He set things in motion for me ahead of time. Even though I don't see it, but it will come. I have faith in God. I am willing and obedient. I'm going to be on that road. And I'm going to come to the right intersection. And my destiny is a big mansion. My place, my estate, my residence, my permanent habitation, many, many rooms in heaven. In Jesus' name, I declare. Amen. This is the introduction of living in abundance. Amen. To learn about our God as provider. Amen. Do you learn something in this day, today? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I encourage myself in this sermon. I love it. Because I want to know my God. And I know that God can provide for me. Amen. You don't need to worry about anything. He shall provide anything. The wisdom, the anointing, manpower, equipments, supports, finances. I'm not talking about only finances. Sometimes people are more important than money. Is that right? If I have between Pasada and $1 million, I have Pasada. Pasada is more important. He provided for me Pasada. Amen? People, money, equipments, wisdom, direction of life, anything He can provide for you. Amen.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't we bow down? And each one of us thank God for who He is. And just meditate on what you learned in the past two sermons. Meditate on it. What you're gonna do with it? You gonna have faith in this? You believe that God is your provider? You gonna listen to God? Thank you, Lord Jesus. We trust this message has ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching series, please contact us at 206-275-1042 or visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.org. You may also write to us at the following address, New Hope International Church, 9170 Southeast 64th Street, Mercer Island, Washington, 98040. Thank you very much.